This reading of Dr. John Ferguson Smith's First World War Diary is sponsored by Objective Analysis of Oxford. It is read by his grandson Rory MacLeod. The sound engineer is his great-grandson Henry MacLeod. The War Diary of Dr. John Ferguson Smith, 1914 to 1915, Part 2, October 25th. This has been a day worth describing in some detail. First, we received orders to make out a list of all men fit to travel, as the hospital is to be cleared. There is a rumour that 2,000 wounded per day are arriving at Bologna. The patients were all up and dressed, but no ambulances. Received orders to stand by. I spent a feverish morning doing precisely nothing at all, save for three or four urgent dressings. Hill is much better. After déjeuner came orders to divide the cases afresh into one, those not likely to be well in three weeks, and two, those likely to be well in that time. Prolonged pause. Came a new order that men in the second group, who are wearing hospital clothes, are to be added to the first group. This was done. From my ward, three men were taken to the convalescent camp, from the second group, Later four, and later still fourteen, were taken. I think things are moving at last, but this turns out to be blind optimism. All twenty-one come home to roost at about tea-time, which seems to be much below standard quantity. Sending orderlies to the cookhouse seems useless, as these go their several ways and forget to return. I attempted to go for a walk before dinner, but was driven back by heavy rain. Very stormy night. Ward in status quo. October 26th. Morning is brilliant, though the wind is still strong. More occasions and alarms, but no actual movement during the morning. I give three anaesthetics during the afternoon by special request. I returned to the ward to find twenty cases gone, and as many new ones replacing them. Several of these are more serious than the last batch. I hear that the Germans are making frantic endeavours to reach Calais. If they succeed, we shall have to set out on our travels again. The fighting is evidently the fiercest of the whole war. Our losses must be very great. German prisoners tell me they were captured at Langemark in Belgium. They declare that they have been fighting incessantly since the beginning of August, and that they have had no news at all as to how the war has been going. They are better clothed than our men. 
During the morning, Mr. Burgard commenced a series of visits as consulting surgeon. He is an honorary colonel. October the 27th. Work continues on much the same lines. I fixed up two cases in the ward under chloroform. The sister has been transferred, and three given to take her place. These are lent from number 10, which is at Rouen, where there is no work, all our troops having apparently left the neighbourhood of Soissons and Reims. October 28th. This morning I received the welcome news that I am to be appointed pathologist to the hospital, and that the lab is to be fitted up in style by Royal Engineer people. The only fly in the ointment is that in addition I am to be anaesthetist to Brian. This is rather a bore, but may not be a very heavy job. People like Sir G. E. Wright and Sir W. Leishman are hovering around, so I must keep a weather eye open. Anaesthetics all afternoon. The only comic relief is that a patient after a surgical operation, while coming out of anaesthetic, contrives to upset the mechanism of the portable operating table, which folds up under him and deposits him on the floor. The weather is very changeable. From being a brilliant day, it turns inside thirty minutes to very heavy wind and rain. I received a letter and socks from home, and write a reply, and also to Francis Mackenzie Smith, my brother. October 29th, a quiet day, without a great deal of work. Sixteen cases were up and dressed to go to England, but after hanging round all day, I had orders to put them to bed again. I had tea with Black and Mrs Black. I make the acquaintance of the sergeant responsible for the laboratory. He is very busy with the operating theatre and X-ray outfit, and the lab has to wait until these are ready. October 30th. The morning was dry, but dull and very cold. In the afternoon I went into Boulogne. I met Tilliard of the stationery. He is going to have a hot bath at the Hotel d'Evreux, so I accompany him and do likewise. Great luxury. I return to find eleven new cases. Many are Scots, and all are fairly cheerful regarding the fighting. I had a long talk with Hill, who considers German shelling superior to either French or British. Also, he says we have far too few Maxim machine guns. October 31st. Very ordinary day. The cases are all doing well. I see in orders that six lieutenants from numbers 11 and 13 are being moved to the front. This seems hopeful. One man tells me that his battalion is enjoying at present the services of its fourth medical officer since the war began. Two have been killed, and the third is off with a jaw smashed by shrapnel. November the 1st. Today I was an orderly officer in waiting. I was detailed to superintend the departure of patients from the casino. 
It was a very heavy day. I was unable to start work till after lunch, but I find that the sisters have left very little for me to do. This is particularly pleasing under the circumstances. November the 2nd I am orderly officer today. Cases were arriving all afternoon and evening. The fighting is more severe than ever. There are extra beds in every possible corner, and cases are still arriving, many of them very severe. I contrive to stow everybody somewhere and attend to some of the more urgent. I retire to bed at 12.15 a.m. November 3rd I am sleeping in the Hotel Splendide, the hospital. I was twice called up in the early morning to bad cases. Being orderly officer is no sinecure. Thankfully demobbed from office at 9am and get down to breakfast. I am given 11 more beds to superintend. Also an alleged case of tetanus, which I find to be a bad fracture of the skull. I operate with Brian. Fair job but the prognosis is doubtful as the brain is much lacerated. After tea, I have my first real lull for two or three days. The laboratory is progressing, and the workmen promise to finish the plumbing today. I think this is doubtful. I receive a letter from home, which has been sent to number 13 and opened by mistake. To bed. Very tired. November the 4th. Only 10 patients are left in the ward, so I receive 30 new ones, of whom 22 are Germans. Their wounds are mostly very severe. My attempts at conversation in German are entertaining, but rather barren as regards gaining information. I was dressing hard all day. Captain Delacour arrives and is appointed consulting surgeon to half the casino, including my ward. He seems extremely pleasant, and inclined to allow me an entirely free hand, even to major surgery. I do an amputation through the thigh on a German. November 5th The news from the front is rather cheering, but an order in the French paper enjoins all persons in Boulogne, who are not habitual residents, to leave within 24 hours. This may mean that the German attack stands a chance of getting through, or merely that an effort is being made to curb the activities of spies. I am sorry to read of the sinking of Monmouth, which I had seen in Shanghai over a year ago. The amputation case is doing surprisingly well and may pull through, although the case was very unfavourable from the outset. I hear that the colonel is to be transferred to Lyon, reason unknown. Later I see him with his successor. The plumbing in the laboratory is finished. I arrange to have all the apparatus carried up by midday tomorrow. The weather continues glorious. The full moon makes the sands delightful at night. The lights on the cliffs at Folkestone and Dover can be seen frequently, 
as can the cliffs themselves by day. November 6th. Firing heard at sea this morning, but it turns out to be merely French torpedo boats at target practice. I spend a very strenuous day in the ward. The wounds of 2 to 5% of the German prisoners are of such a nature as to raise grave suspicions of the use of dum-dums by some of our people. A few such wounds might be caused by turning of a bullet at right angles to its course after entering the body, but I am afraid there are too many to be explained thus. Of course, no suggestion is made that this practice is widespread. Probably, however, a man here and there amuses himself by cutting off or nicking the points of a few of his bullets. November the 7th. The work is beginning to be a little easier as wounds begin to clear up and methods of treating each improve. I get stuff carried up into the lab, but on going to arrange them I find a Frenchman painting the walls. The weather continues glorious, quite remarkable for November. I receive a long letter from my friend Dr. J.E.P. describing how he has taken consulting rooms, and also I write home. I receive a Dieter waterproof from home, much to my satisfaction. November 8th. I contrive to finish work by 3.15pm and propose to go to Boulogne. This is vetoed by the arrival of Surgeon General Woodhouse, who inspects our show. Today our happy house is broken up. Richards is ordered to the front to join 5th Division. I go with him to Boulogne and see him leave in the train. Destination Hasebrook. I have only known him one month, but have become very much attached to him in that time. Indeed, I have seldom met so likeable a man. In all human probability, I shall never see him again, as even if we both survive the war, our paths are likely to lie widely apart. He is a New Zealander and intends to return there after the war. As a matter of fact, the probability is that few of us will pass through the coming months, or is it years, unscathed. Few, painfully few, are left in the firing line of those who made history at Mons and Le Cateau. Our division, the 7th, according to news received from exalted quarters today, no longer exists. Its few survivors are being incorporated in other units. The fighting of the past two or three weeks has probably been almost the fiercest in the history of the world. If hell is hotter than Ypres, said an Irish guardsman, it's a damned warm place. Nevertheless, it appears as though the Germans are preparing an attack compared to which all previous efforts will be child's play. I still think, however, that Calais will never be taken.